It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg. Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. Well, good night, listeners, and welcome to Hard Hats and High Viz, week five of the Australian federal election campaign. And this is where the two Jacks meet. Jack, the insider, that's me. Peter Hoisted to my mum and Hong Kong Jack. That's Jack Hoisted, former Labor man. G'day, Jack. G'day, Jack. How are you? And you're in Hong Kong, mate, having another public holiday. We do love a public holiday up here. Uh, um, uh, this one, it's the, called the Buddha's birthday. Happy birthday to the great Gautama Buddha. Um, yeah, it's uh, fantastic work. Um, so uh, you're a man and, of leisure and, again. And, and, and a shout-out to an old Cobra mate of mine, Gary Hocking, who, uh, who carried the name for a couple of hundred AFL games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you see many Honkanese uh, get down to the shrine and uh, and lay a bit of uh, food or whatever in front of a, a, a photo of Gary Hocking? I was having this conversation with some locals yesterday and, and none of them could quite work out what you're supposed to do on the Buddhist birthday either. So uh, but I think we just probably, they'd probably go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Sounds good. Get down, get it, get into a drink nice and early. Yeah. Uh, look, Hard Hats and High Viz is an election podcast where we go behind the media and use our expertise developed over too many elections to count. Too many, Jack. <laughs> too many here to tell you what's so we're re- really here to tell you what's going on behind all the nonsense. And and we need your help to spread the good word of this podcast to political animals everywhere. If you like what you're listening to, please give us a shout out on social media. Tell your friends, spread the good word, that sort of thing. We'd love to hear from you too. So drop us a line uh, to our email address, which is the conditional release program at gmail.com. Just mark it to Jackson. We'll answer it. Now, there was a great debate. Jack, probably on Channel Nine, they don't beam to Hong Kong, so you might you might have missed it. I got bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. Look, I was watching uh, Carlton tear Adelaide Crows apart, and I've got to say, when I did flip over, it was a lot less entertaining. The great debate. Uh, the first thing I want to say is that where's the ABC? Why, why don't we do any uh, uh, nationwide? Uh, um, uh, great debates uh, using the national broadcaster to an audience of potentially 27 million Australians. Well, the ABC certainly seemed to have the hump about not being asked. Well, I've, I know actually that uh, a number of pleading requests were made uh, to both political leaders. So what are they doing, Jack? Are they, are they are the political leaders? It is, never mind the ABC for a moment. Are the political leaders, Albo and, 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 and Scott Morrison, are they saying, well, we don't really want to go national? We'd prefer to keep the audience a bit smaller? Um, well, I think from Albo's point of view, um, if you didn't have a debate at all, it would probably help because they're going along okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. I mean, look, do debates matter? Have they ever mattered? No, not really. Not really. I mean, they're an, I, I think the media sort of watches these things waiting for that gotcha moment, that moment that everything falls apart for one or the other and uh, and and they go on the skids. I don't remember it ever happening. The political class, the, you know, the political pundits, the people who are members of political parties, um, who 
you know, who, who open the newspaper every morning and read the politics first rather than the sport, they love the debates and they're important to them. But almost all of them have made up their minds you know, weeks ago. In fact, they're probably lining up to vote this morning. Um, um, uh, but for the people who are going to decide the election, that is the people who don't, who might read the sport first, um, uh, um, they're not. They, they don't care too much about debates. They don't. They don't normally watch them. Yeah, I went looking for the uh, the ratings of the show. They were up uh, on sixty minutes normal um, uh, ratings, uh, but not. Uh, we weren't. We, uh, Channel Nine wasn't beset with millions of viewers. Also, their website crashed because they did have people you could... Oh, God, it just seems tedious. I don't know why anyone would want to do this. They could scan the symbol on the screen and then uh, uh, and then provide a, uh, an indication of uh, uh, who, who they thought had won and who they who they were going to vote for, but the whole thing crashed and, uh, and, it, and, and it didn't really come to anything. The data would, became impure. Um, but um, uh, the commentariat, I have to say, veered between an elbow win and a draw, but it just did have the, I guess for so many voters, the big sort of ho-hum about it. And I don't know that uh, it captured the imagination of the Australian people all that much. How dull would your life have to be that you wanted to spend your Sunday evening down, you know, downloading something from a television show to vote on who's winning a political debate? You can know? <laughs> get the QR code and off you go. Yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> you'd have to be a bit desperate. But yeah, I guess so many, so many did that the site crashed. I mean, it's, you'd have to say, Channel 9, have a bit of a look at your servers because uh, I can't imagine that there'd be more than a few thousand uh, who'd, who'd go through that process of the QR code and then pop in, you know, yes or no answers to the questions and and uh, and give them some data. It's going to be like tens of thousands maybe, but, but that was enough to crash their servers, which was very funny. Yeah, if that's what you're doing on Sunday night, can I recommend getting the Scrabble board out? Yeah, yeah it's going to be far more, far more uh, enlightening getting the Scrabble board out too. A bit of, bit of wordsmithing. Uh, another elbow gaff last week, Jack. Uh, after we recorded, I think we got to, we got to Tuesday. He was in, um, I think he was in the seat of Richmond up north anyway, in northern New South Wales, and. Uh, was unable to answer the uh, the six points of the of his NDIS policy, and had to go away and read them, and then come back and provide them. It wasn't that he couldn't remember the six points of the NDIS um, reform program that mattered. It was that he wasn't quick enough on his feet to say, "Look, Bill's going to be taking you through no, those." That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let, yeah, let me introduce you to the Bill's, relevant Bill, minister. Bill, Bill's the bloke who designed this thing, and he's going to redesign it, so he'll take you through what, what what we need to do to get it right. Exactly right. Why doesn't he do those things? I mean, he just seen, there's, he's got the got the deer in the headlights look about him, um, and perhaps I was going to suggest, by way of excuse, he's just you know he's just a couple of weeks off off COVID, and and it can scramble the brain a little bit. Uh, so they say I've never had COVID, and I don't think you have either. But um, oh, I'm, if it scrambles the brain, I must have had it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I mean, I, I might have had a bit of an asymptomatic, asymptomatic uh, infection there too. But yeah, look, maybe look, it's just there's no escaping that it's just not across policy. And if you're not across policy, then that's your response. Here, let me introduce you to uh, Bill Short, who knows all about this. Uh, it, it must it must be said that the, 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 it was quite aggressive questioning. And that's just the way to that's just the way to straight bat it, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, let me just get Bill over here for you. He's the, he's in charge of this policy. He wrote the original NDIS, and he's he's the father of the NDIS. You know? why, why wouldn't you want to listen to it straight from the horse's mouth? And and, and and the same thing goes. Housing, Jason, Claire, come over here, Jason. Come and talk yeah. to these people about housing, about our housing policy. I mean, yeah. it's just he's just really slow to to do those things, and it. You know, other than that, I think Labor have gone okay, but there is this concern that um, that uh, that he's not across policy detail, and if he's not across it, there's better ways of dealing with it than stammering into a in front of a camera. Yeah, you can't imagine Paul Keating um, uh, getting nervous like that uh, with a question like that, can you? you know? Well, he'd know, if he didn't know the answer, he'd attack the journalist, you know. Exactly. Yeah, the journalist the journalist would probably still be having counselling now, you know, um, right. to get over the bollocking they would have got from Don't Keating. Speak to me. Know. You know who I am? Don't speak to me like that. <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't have that about him, um, but still the Labor campaign's sort of rolling along okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and that's okay. They're in front. Uh, I think. Um, so what's not happening for the Liberal Party is that they don't look to be cutting through and making much ground just yet. Not at this early stage, but we are at least at that stage as of today, as we started recording. In fact, voting has been open now, or the polls have been open now for just over four hours, Jack. Um, and uh, vote early, vote often, I suppose you might say. But... Um, you know, you know, there are still um, there are still requirements that you have to go through uh, if you decide to in person pre poll, and it's very funny because there's there've been two editions actually. You can you can uh, suggest your fear of getting COVID. Uh, it would be a reason for you pre polling. You have to have a reason. You have to have a valid reason. And one of the one of the new ones is a fear of getting COVID, and another one is a fear of crowds. Um, but what happens? And this happened to my my daughter when she uh, came in and pre-polled with me in a state election. Uh, they didn't ask me, um, but they asked her why she was pre-polling, and she was struck dumb. And then they just said, "Look, here's a list of reasons. <laughs> just yeah, pick, pick one, one. <laughs> pick one." And she did. Oh no, there you go. So it's all very silly. Um, but we are expecting, we talked about this in previous episodes, we're expecting maybe 25% pre-polling and around 20% postals with so getting up towards half of the vote cast as being cast before election day. You don't think it's a good thing. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, you know, I, I know you understand the practicalities of it, but and, yeah. and, and uh, there is that sort of we are missing out a little bit on that sense of excitement around an election day, um, <clears throat> because most people have cast their votes. Uh, well, it may well be the majority of people have cast their votes by then. 
Um, but yes, you have to have a reason. So if you are pre-polling in person, uh, look at the list and pick one. This is a bit like the the old days when the I can't remember in the early nineties in Sydney, and you'd go to some establishments for a drink, and they'd they'd have to ask you, "Do you intend dining?" <laughs> that's uh, right, and, that was, and the yeah. answer had to be yes. Um, yeah, that's right. And they come around and ask you that, and, and they didn't get that. And they knew you weren't going to eat there because their food was inedible, um, and no one ever ate it. Uh, but that, that that would be the first question they asked: Do you intend dining with us tonight? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I will be at you know half past twelve <laughs> uh, in the wee hours of the morning. Um, that's right. And uh, look, there were it actually stretched in some licensed premises to the to the point where you had to order a bowl of chips. Um, yes. And so, right. you, so you could get around the stupid, arcane liquor licensing laws in this state, which uh, have, have fortunately been changed. There's yeah. a long way to go yet. Much better in Victoria, by the way. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so, uh, look, uh, if you're going to pre-poll in person early, pick a reason. You can be frightened of crowds. You could be a vampire. Uh, and uh, and uh, <laughs> that you need to basically get out about very when, when it's just turned dark and about mm. five thirty, quarter to six in yep. in, uh, in New South Wales. Mm. Um, so yeah, we've started, and um, and 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 it does mean that uh, well, having looked at the pre polling, the pre polling behaviour in in past years in twenty nineteen in particular, you still get that rush two or three days beforehand. So most of it comes, the in-person pre-polling, most of it comes on the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before Election Day. So I don't think you'll get too many casts today. A few, not too many. But last week, as anticipated, Jack, interest rates, interest rates went up. Um, uh, the official cash rate is now 0.35 and mortgages running fixed rates around 3%. Um and, uh, you know, we do know the history of this. In 2007, it was kind of the uh, the last nail in the coffin for John Howard. Um, is it going to have as big an effect as it did in 2007? Hard to know, um, but I will say this. It's just not helping, helping Morrison to get any momentum, and, and, and he kind of needs that at the moment. And, and, and that's because all of a sudden that shifts into a greater discussion on cost of living with yes. inflationary pressures in the economy, uh, people noticing the price of staples, foods, etc., going through, you know, going in a rapid acceleration. You should try and find, you try and buy an iceberg lettuce around here, Jack. Very expensive. About five bucks an iceberg lettuce will set you back. But that's actually due to. Um, Due to flooding in uh, in uh, northern New South Wales, um, but um, um, uh, it does basically allow Labor. Uh, you know, perhaps it's not a great strength of Labor to talk about the cost of living, but it's not something the government wants to be talking about at all. No, no, and, and at the moment, what he needs is something he can talk about that will give him some momentum. And at the moment, and an interest rate question and the cost of living question is stalling his momentum when he most needs it. And it's, uh, it's it wouldn't be a discussion on the Solomon Islands either. I'm just reading there that China's, China looks like it's going to turn into Guangzhou. Uh, it's going to be highways and 
and big ports and and underground cables running there to Beijing and so forth. Uh, not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, 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 love uh, to be had or advantage to be had uh, for uh, Scott Morrison in discussions about foreign policy either. They do like to build a highway when they go to these places. The <laughs> and a port. The yeah. plans for the port are spectacular. Um, yeah. So yes, so we do have some <laughs> do have some longer term issues going on there in terms of foreign policy, um, but it's okay, Jack. Uh, everything's all right because John Howard's back. Um, John Howard, they've, they've unlocked the cage and rolled the stone away, and and he's popped, he's popped out, and uh, and and he's uh, having uh, he's, he's had an attack on elbow. Americans elbows trying to weasel his way into the lodge uh, with no policies. Yeah, I, I I don't know about these um, retired fellas coming back and having another run. I mean, it's always good to see the former players, you know, turn up before the match and yeah. shake a few hands. But um, I'm not so sure about it from from the, the coalition point of view. It's better to have John Howard out there than Malcolm Turnbull. Well, Malcolm, Malcolm did stick his did stick his nose in uh, all the way from New York, and uh, while he was a bit vague, uh, he seemed to be suggesting that Liberal voters uh, in uh, Wentworth and other, shall we say, inner city electorates uh, like North Sydney, etc., might might consider uh, voting for the Teal Independents. So uh, Malcolm is in that not helping, uh, not helping mode. Was it was it Shakespeare who said the hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, and that's exactly what Malcolm's like. I mean, in fact, Malcolm and Kevin Rudd are very similar in that regard. You know, um, they are, they they are still the girlfriend you dumped in fourth form. You know, um, and, um, and they're still and they're still cross about it. <laughs> I was yes, look, I'd say I was talking to him not so long back. I had a long conversation with Malcolm two or three months ago, and uh, I wouldn't say he was raw. I wouldn't say his uh, anger was still raw. Um, but he's going to take every opportunity to uh, to give uh, his successor a bit of a slapping whenever he can. You know, he's just, just if there's if there's something something there that Scott Morrison's not going to like, Malcolm's there to just give it a little push. But John Howard, I mean, John's John's well into his eighties now, and they have dragged him out in you know state elections. He was he was prominent in the South Australian state election, Jack, and and we all know how that went. I think he's got. I think he's got a strike rate. Uh, um, what do we say? A strike rate of a of a pedestrian medium pacer. Mm. Um, he's not going all that well. You might put twenty nineteen in the wind basket for John, but um, others. Whew, I don't know that he's doing all that much good. Look, I think these sort of things are probably good for the morale of your, your own troops. Um, but I don't think people say, well, I'm going to vote um, uh, for Scott Morrison again because John Howard reckons he's, reckons he's okay. You know, I, I just don't, can't see that myself. Yeah, no, I don't think it's going to sway too many votes. I mean, particularly dragging out a bloke who looks like he should be spending the afternoon at the, uh, the Bowls Club. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that that's going to have a big effect. Yeah, you're right, it probably is a bit of a morale boost for probably the flagging energies of uh, volunteer workers uh, for the Liberal Party at the moment. Now, our big theme today, Jack, and it's uh, sort of running prominently through the election campaign, it's the independence. And we're not just talking to your independence, although that's a big, that's a 
big block of them. Um, it looks, it's looking increasingly likely or more likely that Labor will form a majority government. But the crossbenches may well still be filled uh, with a handful of teals, uh, more than a handful, uh, uh, very likely. Um, and we might even see a bit of a boost to the Greens uh, with the possibility they could do, do okay in some Queensland seats. Um, why is there a shift away from the major parties? Well, this is not just happening in Australia. This is uh, happening around the, the Western world. Um, the progressive parties, uh, the left parties, if you like, used to be the party of, of the working class um, uh, and, 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 and the unionists, really. Um, so, so fundamentally from the left. Yeah, yeah. But these days, the progressive classes, you know, the left, the left, the, the progressive parties, the left parties have become the party of the professional urban class, the academics, the lawyers, the doctors, uh, the accountants. Um, they're the ones who support the progressive parties and the um, conservative parties have become the parties of the working class and the rural and regional poor. Well, I would say in this case, particularly when we talk about the teal independence, looking good things in McKellar, which is in the upper north shore of Sydney, uh, North Sydney there, um, another electorate at risk, uh, Wentworth, of course, uh, in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, um, uh, Goldstein, Bayside suburb, um, uh, centred around Brighton, St Kilda, Elwood in Melbourne, and Kuyong, Hawthorne, Kew, you know, leafy, green, conservative areas. Uh, it seems that a lot of voters, they may be economically conservative, but in terms of social policy, they veer progressive. They do, and this is this is this is not a peculiarly Australian thing. It's happened in the UK. It's happened in France. It's happened in uh, the US, um, uh, and and I suspect that the, the teal independence and the the move to um, uh, green in uh, in our urban seats is is all part of that same trend. Well, can we move into a bit of um, wild speculation now? And let's say that Labor wins majority government, they get to 76, 77, 78, might even be better. But there's still this block across benches that might be 10 or 12 wide, you know. There might be 10 or 12 numbers there. There might be some party aligned. There might be two Greens. There might be, well, there's obviously will be Adam Bant. He's one. So there might be two Greens. There might be, well, certainly Bob Catter will be returned, so there'll be a Catter Australia party. Rebecca Sharkey, the bookies, are nominally calling Centre Alliance, so she's got a party affiliation, which is a bit dodgy, just between you and me. Uh, and uh, and then we've got Sally Stegall, and then we've got uh, 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 Wilkie and Clark uh, and uh, and Helen Haynes in India. India. Let's say there's another six, and they all come pretty much from the coalition. Let's say six of them do. I mean, what chance? Well, they, they all got come to... from they all come from traditional coalition seats. Yeah. But to add to that, it looks like we might be getting a growing number of the inner urban greens. That's right. You know, I mean, there is talk in Brisbane that that. Uh, 
that the Greens candidate in Brisbane might come second there. And if she comes second there, she'll win it. Uh, yeah, that's the battle. Yeah, yeah. Whoever gets, whoever comes second there is likely to be the, you know, it's likely to be a good the winner. Chance to win. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and and then there's a blue ribbon electorate of Ryan uh, that that some insiders are saying might well be in danger. That's a Liberal blue ribbon seat, not in danger from teals, but uh, a different colour on the spectrum, greens. Um, so the greens might end up with. What I'm saying is, how easy will it be to win these seats back? I mean, if we look at if we look at, uh, uh, at Wilkie, Andrew Wilkie in, in Clark, I mean, uh, once he was elected, he hasn't been back. He hasn't had to go to preferences, and he took his seat from Labor. Mm, this is slightly uncharted territory as to how easy it will be to get them back. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't think we know. As I say, I think we're having a we're, we're part of a worldwide phenomenon where there is a sort of shift in allegiances, or not quite a direct swap, but there is a swing in allegiances, and how that's going to play out over the next five or ten years is we'll have to wait and see. Well, what we do know is Steggall's an absolute certainty. Uh, uh, Wilkie's a certainty. Um, Helen Haynes is a certainty. Rebecca Sharkey, the the one the bookies reckons not an independent. She's a certainty to win in Mayo, and they've been around for a little. She's been around for a little while, of course. I mean, Mayo is, you know, liberal heartland, and it would seem to me that <clears throat> so if if the if the liberals do go down and, and and lose a number of their marginals to Labor, and then suffer losses at the other end of the scale, if you like, in their blue ribbon seats. That's going to make the task much, much harder uh, come the following election that you'll have to basically try and win the Blue Ribbons back somehow, uh, but you'll also have to win, try and win more marginals than, than you would have in, in, in the instance where you weren't getting attacked uh, at the bottom end where, you, where, you're, uh, where you're fairly safe seats are. Well, it, it's going to be a situation where to win government, you've got to cobble together a bit of an alliance of of both uh, progressives and socially conservative people. There is, of course, the question of a of a balance of power, and, and we have and we have discussed this, and, and both you and I agree that in the event where the where the teal independents, <clears throat> not that they'll necessarily be seen as a well, they'll be seen as a block, but whether they'll vote as a block, I don't think so. But whether they would support the uh, outgoing government or support Labor, I think uh, it's more likely uh, that they would support Scott Morrison. But uh, Scott Morrison and, and 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 the coalition government, but. That won't even come into play, certainly if Labor win a majority, but it certainly won't come into play if, if, if the coalition comes back after the election with 60, 64, 65 seats. No. All right. Now, we'll just get to the polling, Jack. You might have seen the news poll released today. I did. Not much change. Labor's uh, up one and the two-party preferred to 39 and that takes us to uh, 54-46, two-party preferred. Let me just let me just uh, just go back to the primary. At 39, that's where Labor needs to be. They need to be high 30s, you, low 40s. You would uh, expect to win with 39. Yeah, you would expect to win with 39. Exactly right. So the 54-46, though, I mean, polling, polling companies 
won't tell you this, but the two-party preferred is a bit of a nonsense figure, isn't it? You know, um, there are so many assumptions there being made around that that um, you know you could be easily a couple of points out and no one's going to worry about it too much. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I never take much notice of that, that figure. There were, there are some interesting figures in the miners. The Greens are polling at 15%, Jack. Good Lord. That's high for them. That would be uh, garden party stuff if that happens in an election. But we are seeing this shift away. We've got the Teal Independents uh, knocking on the door. They won't affect uh, a national vote too much because they're only represented in a handful of seats. Hmm. Um, but we've also got Pauline Hanson's One Nation sitting around 5% in the polling, and that would indicate a sort of doubling of their vote. Uh, UAP on I think on four, which is pretty much where they where they uh, where they managed to get uh, in 2019. But uh, Paul and Hanson at five percent, that's much more than she got. So that's all it's part of that trend, isn't it? It's certainly an indication um, of something that I, that I think I can see, uh, and that is that perhaps the government has run its course, but there's no particular affection for Labor. Yeah, that seems, and that just seems to fit all the trends on what we're talking about here. Other minor parties, independents running in certain seats, uh, and 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 it. Uh, we'll get to my best bets in a moment because it will reflect that. The betting markets are uh, labour is firm. The price wobbled around a bit last week, but at labour at dollar thirty five. And they went down, I think, to about a dollar thirty-three, and then back up to a dollar thirty-five. And the coalition now was was at two ten two uh, two weeks ago. Now it's three twenty. So that's fairly significant. Now, of course, we don't know how big the pools are. We don't know how much money's gone down on the head-to-head, but that would indicate pretty much it's following. Well, perhaps not following it. Might the, the polling might be following it, but. Taken in conjunction with polling, it would indicate that Labor stands a much better chance of forming a majority than perhaps uh, it did two weeks ago. Yeah, well, that, that's certainly how it looks. Uh, <clears throat> to top that, Labor's now favoured to win nine coalition marginals, although it's, it's sort of bit neck and neck in Braddon and in Robertson, Braddon in Tasmania and Robertson in New South Wales. But the margins have changed in Chisholm uh, when Labor is now firm favourite to win Chisholm. Swan and Pearce have always been favourite uh, and there is indeed a chance that they could pick up a third seat. Ken White's seat has luck, uh, is probably in play. Boothby, they look strong. Uh, they're firm favourites in South Australia. Um, Braddon in Tasmania, firm favourites, and Longman in Queensland, they seem to have firmed a bit there too. So that just little list of seats, little list of seats just there, that's enough. That's all they got to do. Mm. Yeah, I don't think the Liberals are as far behind as the Kentucky Derby winner was, <laughs> um, uh, but they've got some ground to make up. And for our <laughs> listeners, get, get onto YouTube and have a look at that. Um, uh, it's quite a win. Came from nowhere, 80 to 1, the uh, winner of this year's Kentucky Derby. Um, Yeah, so I just, I haven't done much reading on it, Jack. I'm going to have to have a look because anything gets up at 80 to 1, there's got to be a reason. 
And there might yeah. be some sort of nefarious goings on there. Yeah, it is um, racing, you know. It is <laughs> horse racing, and you do have and a number of members of the Italian American community there who who are also involved in the racing industry at one level or another. So, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have a look at that. We'll probably touch on that in uh, the two jacks around the world. I, I was told uh, years ago by a chap who was involved in the racing industry to remember one thing. People in the racing are only ever as honest as they need to be. <laughs> That's, that works in politics too, Jack. Yeah. Yeah, only as honest as, as your MP needs to be, which leads me to my best bet. We're getting towards, you know, critical stage now where if you've got a lazy pineapple or two to throw around uh, on the bet, on, on, on the political markets, on the election market, uh, my best bet is uh, independence. Now, I'll be as um, I'll clarify this because the bookies are a little bit sneaky about how they define independence. But uh, my best bet is uh, for the independence ten or more at nine dollars. Now they call, as I said before, Rebecca Sharkey. The- Sneaky buggers. She, they call her from she's from the Centre Alliance, which really isn't a thing anymore because she is part of that Teal Independence Group, Climate 200 Group. But uh, they're calling her um, uh, uh, a, uh, a part of she's party aligned. So that would mean uh, the three that are there plus seven, uh, and that's paying $9. By the way, if you think that's a bit strong, that they, that they'll get plus three, plus six, that's paying $13. Nine independence is paying $13. Eight is paying $9. The 10 or more I like because I just feel that's the way we're going to go. There are a number of independents, not teal independents, who are having a crack. There's one in Page. There's another in your old stomping ground of Nichols in... Uh, Rural Victoria, Central Rural Victoria, uh, who are half a chance. So I'm saying uh, get on the independence, not all teal independence, but all independence as defined by the bookies, 10 or more, for uh, and uh, for every dollar you put down on that, you'll get nine back. Well, I can't comment on that. I'm a law-abiding uh, resident of the uh, Special Administrative Region of Hong Kong, uh, and uh, no gambling here is, is allowed unless it goes through the Hong Kong Jockey Club. So uh, I won't be having a bet. Um, <laughs> Not having a bet. Oh, well, never mind. Um, never mind. You get me. You might have to go to Macau. <laughs> if only we could go to Macau. Oh, you, that's right. You, you can't, you can't, <laughs> we we, we haven't been able to go to Macau for two years. Can't go to Macau. We, I think uh, things things have gone. Going a little bit tits up there for uh, some of the Australian lads involved, Jack. Uh, well, they, they, they built this beautiful new bridge that runs across. You, you haven't got to catch the ferry anymore. You can go across by by train, uh, but no. by by road. But you can't. You can't. You can't at the moment. Anyway, that's my best bet. I reckon it's a good thing. Uh, and and uh, and just so you know, I have had a lash on that. Ten or more independents in the forty seventh Parliament, and that's paying nine dollars. Uh, and finally, Jack, well, not quite finally, but uh, our uh, cat that does the ironing election uh, election <laughs> issue is, and uh, we call it the Peter Knott Memorial, named after the wonderful Labor MP Peter Knott, uh, briefly a member for Gilmore, 
uh, who had one or two problems along the way there, upset Paul Keating and uh, and uh, received the moniker as the, from the as the cunt from the pie shop forevermore after that. And, of course, Peter Knott ran afoul of the Labor Party ultimately after describing the 9-11 thing as an inside job. Uh, and Peter's now left us. So this is why we call it the Peter Knott Memorial. And this week, Jack, we've got the Fon candidate in Banks. His name's Malcolm Heffernan. But he's not just the Fon candidate in, in Banks. He's also... Having a dip for the Australian Federation Party in Brand in Western Australia. Well, he's having two goes. He's having a, he's having a couple of goes, and and not just in their own state or next door. He he, he figures he's such a large uh, large political uh, uh, fellow that he can that he can cover uh, two seats four thousand kilometres apart. Uh, Brand's um, Kim Beasley's old seat, I think, isn't it? That's right, yes. Well, when when the AEC looked at the nominations, he, he, he will appear on both ballots, by the way. Uh, when they looked at the nominations, obviously it's a fairly serious offence because like, as when people go to the polls and the, and the AEC official asks you, have you voted uh, earlier today, and you say no because you're a law-abiding person, there's a very similar question on the uh, candidate nomination form. Have you nominated for another seat? Because if you have, you can't go, you can't nominate for a second. Mm. But uh, Malcolm Heffernan has actually laid the blame fairly and squarely at Fon, at, at the at Paul Enhanson's One Nation for popping him into banks without his knowledge. And there has been quite a bit of discussion about Pauline Hanson's One Nation candidates. They do have candidates in all 151 elections, but a lot of them, they're calling them ghost check because they can't be found. Well, there's a long history of this um, uh, uh, of this sort of thing happening uh, down the years. I know the Labor Party used to scratch around to find candidates for rural seats, um, you know, so who would get to be the candidate up in Mildura or something? And because um, they might, they might even have any local members up there. So they yeah. scratch around head office, and um, someone had suddenly found out that they were standing for a seat they'd never been to. <laughs> <laughs> you know. There's there's the Labor member for for Goldstein, Jack. This is uh, one of the Teal Independent seats, Goldstein. In Melbourne South, in the South, and uh, Zoe Daniels, the Teal Independent candidate there, and Tim Wilson is the uh, sitting Liberal member, and the Labor candidate. Look, he's definitely, you know, he's he's not been blindsided. But let's not let's say he's not doing a lot of a lot of work on the hustings. He's um, he's got the only sign visible anywhere in the seat is, uh, I think, above his parents' office. And that's it. That's a, that's a small poster and that's about it. So maybe, maybe this is a bit of a thing now that you never know, you better check because you might, you might be the... Might be the One Nation candidate uh, in in Nichols, Jack. You could you could pop I, I, up I could there. Be. Yeah. You could be. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Malcolm Heffernan. He's he was uh, he, he, the man who the man who thinks that uh, 
two nominations is barely enough, uh, uh, has basically put the uh, point of the finger back at uh, at Paul in Hanson's One Nation because he is looking at he is looking at a, a prosecution and have the federal police knocking on the door. Yeah, well, he's going to have to answer for that, isn't he? You know, he's going to have to blame somebody. It'll be Pauline. <laughs> By the way, the Australian Federation Party—they're all sovsits. They're complete nut jobs um, who who actually think that the the election is illegal anyway. So, you know. Um, I'm not sure what they're trying to achieve by putting candidates in an what in an election that they consider to be illegal and fraudulent. By the way, it's I think it's a good thing when we have these people um, exposing themselves um, at election time. It's good for the country. Uh, Jack, it's going to get very serious this week, isn't it? It's. Uh, if we're right, and if Scott Morrison is behind, and the coalition's behind, what are they going to do? And they going to is there going to be a smack of desperation about what they get about get get up to this week? Well, that's kind of the wrong thing to do. The, the The right thing to do, I think, if you're trying to come from where the coalition is now, is to do the things that work um, uh, and, and just do them better. So, what have they got to do? They've got to they've got to attack elbows of bloke who's not yeah. across his across his portfolio or any other. Uh, they've got to run, I guess it's a fairly unconvincing one, but they've got to run the we are the party of government, we are the right party to take you through what are difficult times. What else so have they got to so, do? So they start throwing money the, around? So that means you put the right people front and centre. So a fair bit of Scott Morrison, true. The bloke I would have out there um, having a go at, um, at elbow and pushing that we are the right people to keep going would be Dutton. He's gone pretty quiet. I mean, he did uh, mention on Anzac Day, which is pretty bloody ordinary, by the way, that we had to prepare for war. Perhaps should have chosen a, a better day to talk about that. So he's been pretty quiet since. He looks to be rock solid in Dixon, so it's not as if he's been uh, uh, having to uh, work hard uh, work hard uh, in his own local, local electorate. But, um, but, but he, can, he can deliver a message. He can get out there on the media and he's, he's, he's solid and can deliver a message. People don't like him much, but he can deliver a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think it's a bit like the Barnaby line. You know, south of south of the Murray, I think he's very, very unpopular. But um, um, up up in Queensland, where you know they are looking vulnerable, that might be a good place for him to move out. The problem they've got, Jack, is that they've lost so many. I mean, Greg Hunt is retiring. He's been active, reasonably active in the campaign, but they're, they're better performers. Frydenberg's busy. You know, he's got he's got to be working in his own local electorate to save yep. uh, to save himself there in Kuyong. Uh Greg Hunt, another good performer, retiring. So there's not much, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of talent there. There is Peter Dutton, of course, as you mentioned, but uh, Alan Tudge is he's in witness protection. Um, there's uh, there's not a lot there's not a lot of there. You know, you're, all of a sudden you Simon Birmingham's become the minister for everything. Well, I'm not sure why Alan Tudge is in witness protection. Um, they um, they've kind of frightened themselves. They've, they, they've spooked themselves about that. What they should have done with Alan Tudge was to do a bit of Boris Johnson, Bob Hawke, and say, "Look, yep, I had an affair." You know, um, 
it didn't end well. They often don't, you know. Well, well yeah, well, it is voluntary. You know, he's, he's, in, he's in the witness protection of his own accord. Uh, he, he is, I think Morrison says that he's still a member of the Cabinet, uh, but he's uh, but he's not a minister at this particular juncture, which is a very strange thing. Very strange. We have uh, entire groups of uh, Buddhist monks probably contemplating that right now, Jack, in Hong Kong. Mm, they probably are. Yeah. <laughs> well, they yeah, got the day so, off. So, so that's what they that's what they need to be doing doing that. Yeah. And labour. What about labour? Yes, yes. Go on. Labour really just needs to just just needs to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, uh, have a little word to elbow. Don't answer so many questions at press yeah. conferences. Don't answer any. You don't know, worry about the homework, Albo. Yeah. Don't worry about just sitting in your motel room and poring over policy documents. Just say it's. <laughs> and let me introduce you to the minister. Well, to yeah. the shadow well, spokesman. Uh, uh, spokesman and if, the, if the minister's not there, just say they'll be making an announcement about it next week. Exactly right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. We seem to have solved that problem for Elbow. I hope, hope he's listening or some of his people are. Uh, but also, Jack, they'll be wanting to get that message across of old, tired government that's run out of legs. Oh, that, that's the big thing. That's it's just about the only way. It's not quite the only way you win government um, in Australia from opposition, but it's the most common way of winning government in Australia uh, from opposition. Yeah, I think, I think the days the, of exciting the population... Uh, with uh, with reform and a new um, bright policy agenda, I think those days are over. So you you really need to be able to convince the people that the current mob have run out of legs. Yeah, that, exactly right. Uh, and and that you would be a little bit steadier and a little bit more energetic. So the secret to that is. Don't look like you're sort of making a mistake every five minutes. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. Yeah, just so, and look, Elway's got it basically right, gaffes notwithstanding. He's basically saying, look, we're, we're going to be pretty much the same as the other mob, except we'll just have a bit more enthusiasm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Great to hear from you, Jack. Thank you so much. You enjoy the rest of uh, Buddha's birthday. When, when I work out how to celebrate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not an easy thing. I mean, it wouldn't seem right to sit down and have a steak, for example. You might have to have, a, you know, sort of several bowls of crickets or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so thank you, too, to our listeners. And, and uh, we just want to remind you that we'd love to hear from you, too. If you want to let us know what you think of the show or give us a bit of a... Uh, give us a bit of a fillip uh, on the uh, on social media, please do so. But if you want to let us know what you think of the show or any suggestions, any sort of comment whatsoever, even vicious criticism, Jack, um, no matter how bad it is, we will accept it. So drop us a line on the conditional release program at gmail.com and tell us your darkest, your darkest thoughts on the program. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> In fact, the, the tougher the criticism is, the more we'll like it. <laughs> now, more we'll laugh at it. Uh, <laughs> all right, mate. Good stuff. And we'll catch you next week, listeners.